the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Tired of the negative news and flashover substance? It's time for Today with Dr. Wendy. Dr. Wendy Patrick is a trial attorney, patriot, and Ph.D. with a passion for people and a penchant for politics. Dr. Wendy brings you the headlines, streamlined news you can use. It's time to be informed, engaged, and entertained. Now, here's your host, Dr. Wendy Patrick. Good evening and welcome to Today with Dr. Wendy. I'm Wendy Patrick, and my co-host Larry Dersham and I have a phenomenal show for you tonight. Now, we have lots of different headlines that we could be talking about, given that it's been a very fact-filled, productive week. But we're going to start with a very special guest who has joined us tonight. Larry, who do we have in studio? Right. Yeah, we have uh, Becca Williams and... uh she is running for the school board of the San Diego Unified School District, and uh, she's an amazing person. Uh, she is covering District C that covers parts of La Jolla, Pacific Beach, Mission Bay, Point Loma, and Ocean Beach. She's a mom, a former classroom teacher, a businesswoman, an athlete, a taxpayer, and a former NASCAR <laughs> high-speed auto race driver. So welcome back to the program, Becca. It's so good to have you back. Really fun to be with both of you. You know what, Becca, one of the things that I find most interesting, and I'm sure I'm not alone here, I, your racing background, that is absolutely unbelievable. A former NASCAR high-speed auto race driver. How in the world did you get involved with that, and what was that like? That was an incredible experience, and actually, I don't bring it up that often, you know, with the current project, but I probably should because people find that very interesting because it's rare you run into someone. But I grew up in Wisconsin, and it's pretty popular up there to do oval track racing. So about the age of 15, I I got into uh, a large car and kind of started climbing the ranks. And since I was a little girl, my dad was definitely not a safety first dad. I had um, ATVs for my ninth birthday, my 12th birthday, a snowmobile that went 130 miles an hour, I think, for my 13th birthday. So I, I was on a lot of um, very fast vehicles. And um, yeah, I'm really glad that he let me do those things. But there's no way I can't, I can't picture myself letting my kids do all those things. So but I got it for me and I made it through. I didn't uh, you know, fortunately, when I crashed my ATV and flew over the handlebars, it didn't result in broken bones, and I'm still here today. Well, Praise the Lord. Hey, Becca, I, I recently saw a, a tweet where apparently you were speaking uh, before a group of people, and I know that you're running for the San Diego Unified School District, and that now they have reimposed the mask mandates on teachers and students for indoor instruction. What was their announced reason for doing this, and how long is this set to last? Have they given us a, a, a date where we won't have to wear masks anymore for the kids? There's no set date, and it's based on, again, that arbitrary tiering of 
COVID cases and broken down into colors. So it seems kind of, you know, very structured. But the, the fact of the matter is, is that those numbers are arbitrary insofar as someone just marked out and, you know, broke them up. They're, they're not really correlated with, um, you know, some real uh, problem. You know, what is the severity of the cases? Is it spreading and, and so forth? So it's based on a color tier. There's no end date. They said two weeks was kind of a soft answer. So I'm not, I'm not sure when it'll end. Um, it does seem like kids are still there. They're wearing the masks. And I haven't seen a real pushback um, start to form yet, actually. You know, that was one of the questions I have for you is, you know, we've seen sort of a, you know, a waxing and waning of public opinion regarding what do we think about the masks and what age groups should be forced to comply. What is the latest in, uh, you know, both kids and parents really kind of taking a stand one way or another? It's been so fluid over the last two years. Where are we today with compliance? My sense is that it has been worn down and people have just gotten used to it and there's not uh, the same kind of uh, pushback. There was, there, there was a lot more energy at the beginning, but um, I think people are just, you know, I, the word comply, I don't like the idea of not complying. I mean, I would follow the rules and stuff um, or, and generally request that people do. So the, the normal way is to really change it from, from the rules that are being, people are being asked to, to fulfill. Um, but the, the fact of the matter is I do think San Diegans are, are moving along and I can't, you know, I wonder if this is almost a test, uh, or if it's really, um, based on, uh, the desire to protect kids. It just, it's, it seems the logic of it is hard for me to figure out exactly, you know, the people who are pushing this down, what are they really trying to get out of this? Hey, Becca, what do you think is the science behind wearing masks? Is it about health or or is it about control? And personally, and you don't have to agree with me, but I think the masks have more to do with control. And I think that it subjects our kids to breathing dangerous bacteria, not to mention the psychological damage it's doing to them. I've even read articles where it's almost like putting a Petri dish on your face. I mean, humans breathe out CO2, but what happens if you can't breathe out that CO2 that is recirculated? And I'm sorry to have to talk about this, but there is absolutely no reason. And the reason I feel pretty passionately about this is that I had to pick up my granddaughter from a a preschool summer school. And I would say they were playing outside and about 10% of the kids had masks on. All of the teachers had mask on and, and about maybe 10% of the parents. And, and this was just since they, they reinstituted this mask requirement in San Diego. And right now we are the focus of national news. I know Fox News is talking about it. Governor DeSantis of Florida has weighed in on the San Diego situation. So in a certain way, I think we're being as a test market, but I'm sorry, it's kind of a long question, but what do you think is the science behind this? Do you think it is science or do you think it's about control? Uh, I'm tired of the science question in a, in the sense that um, it's divisive because there are contradictory studies floating around and it's a non-starter. And I actually want to move past that and start getting people to think a different way because that is a, a very difficult thing. Um, this I, I'm more, much more in favor of the, these studies that seem to be coming out that say they, they do almost the cloth masking does nothing. The N95 mask does something and that in the schools, it makes absolutely no sense. That seems to me to be logical. 
But I think the, the science behind it tends to be a non-starter. The other thing is, is that as a school board member, I don't view uh, my job to be a, a public health expert or a scientist. And I think there's too many people in positions of power that have t- assumed that role. Um, and I, I kind of, you know, I, I, I hope that I'm not um, approaching this and, and trying to take over a position that's really, it's not in my wheelhouse to make all these scientific declarations. I can, so I prefer to talk about it in different terms. And um, one other thing I just wanted to say real quick is the reason this is a national story, I think in San Diego, we do not realize how much the rest of the country has moved on from COVID. And that this is really shocking in other parts of the country, whereas we're kind of like, ah, well, they did it again. Other when, when I talk to people, they're like, no, we have moved on from COVID and we are done with this. And mm-hmm. I, you know, I can't yeah. believe they did it here. Great. You know, that that's probably one of the most significant parts of the story that I've been following is that we should be more on the front lines of being in touch with the different ways in which we are handling the, the pandemic. I mean, maybe we can say we're not out of it, but we're learning to live with it in ways that you know, don't require remasking. You know, people are saying, been there, done that. Now we're going to, you know, kind of seize it, see it as a seasonal disorder. I mean, there are lots of different lenses through which people have looked at the evolution of the science. But uh, remasking is something that's very divisive. Some think it's great, better safe than sorry, is what a lot of my, my colleagues and friends, especially those with kids, say. Um, but you're also correct that the way that things are done here don't necessarily reflect even other large metropolis area yep i think um san diego is a place where the 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 media coverage on the issue of masks has been leading people to think one way and it's really hard that's why i said to break in i get a lot of pushback when i question the science of masks. so i my hope is to kind of pick at it from different angles and the the one i keep getting at is that we're only asking kids to mask and everyone knows kids are the least at risk those two things do not line up well, Becca, you are running for school board. What is the status of that race for school board? I guess we'll be voting in November on that. I'm the last non-union backed candidate on the ballot for November. So as much as things have gone wrong, this is not Virginia. There's no parents revolt kind of um, forming. I don't I really don't see it. So it's it's a very traditional election and politics is so local. All these places have their little flavors and niches. So it's largely a quiet race. Uh, this year with a little bit more noise and there'll be a lot more spending from the unions because there's there's never been a challenge and now there's at least some challenge and that's me wonderful you know I, a quiet race is um is an interesting way to put it you know normally we don't think about politics as quiet <laughs> in any sense of the word but um listen we want to thank you for for joining us today and bringing up some some really important issues that i think uh we're going to continue to continue to talk about. Um, and, you know, just as we kind of wrap up this this first segment, uh, you know, Larry, our listeners are, are no doubt aware that, you know, we live in a, a very shifting environment in terms of what candidates are running for what different types of offices and who stands for what. And it'll be interesting to see as we are in full, you know, right in the middle of summer, how this COVID scenario and masks and school going back into session, how this all ends up shaping up and evolving. And, um, you know, I, we'll continue to cover it week after week week. But, you know, as our last guest really brought to the front and center, we're going to have to learn, you know, what does this look like for our children? Yes. And how can we kind of work to make this a better place for them, um, both health-wise and, of course, uh, educational-wise as well? Exactly. Well, we... 
We are going to um, move to our second segment in just a minute. Please don't touch that dial because we have another great guest coming up on the other side of the break. You're listening to Today with Dr. Wendy. We will be back in a flash. News cycle lowlights have no place here. You're listening to the headline highlights on Today with Dr. Wendy on The Answer San Diego. It's time for more news you can use. The headlines streamline. It's time for more Today with Dr. Wendy. Now here's your host, Dr. Wendy Patrick. Welcome back to more of Today with Dr. Wendy. I'm Wendy Patrick, and my co-host Larry Dersham and I have a wonderful second half in store for you with a very special guest. Larry, who do we have on the line? Yes, Wendy. Michael Pack is president of Manifold Productions Incorporated and the writer, director, and producer of numerous award-winning nationally broadcast documentaries, Pack served as the CEO of the U.S. Agency for Global Media under President Donald Trump, as the president and CEO of the Claremont Institute, and as the senior vice president for television programming at the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, among other distinguished positions. Today, we're going to be discussing Michael's new book, the documentary uh, Film with and then he had his a, a documentary film and accompanies it too called Created Equal, Clarence Thomas in his own words. So welcome to the show, Michael. Thank you for having me on. It's a pleasure. So, Michael, obviously your resume reads like a novel. I mean, there's just so much that you've done. So many, I mean, it's hard to even imagine. You've been alive long enough to do all of this. But I'm just so curious, what inspired you to write this new book? It just looks fascinating. Well, the book is based on the documentary of the same name, as your co-host just said. And the documentary began because some of Justice Thomas's friends were concerned that his enemies on the progressive left really were telling his story and trashing his legacy. HBO was about to come out with a movie, which they've since come out with, called Confirmation with Kerry Washington as Anita Hill, and they, which they rightly thought would not present Justice Thomas in a very favorable light. So they were interested in getting a story out. They approached me. I had remembered the 1991 confirmation hearings, but I didn't know that much about Justice Thomas. But once you meet him once, you can really tell. He's got a, a great laugh, a great voice, and more importantly, a great life story. And I immediately wanted to tell it. And I'm honored that Justice Thomas trusted me to tell it. The film is based on a very long interview I conducted with Justice Thomas over 24 hours over a four-month period, the longest interview any Supreme Court justice has ever granted anybody. And he's somebody reluctant to give media appearances. And he's the only interview in the show, him and then a short interview with Ginny. And we let him tell his story in his own words, hence the subtitle. He looks right at the camera, and he talks about his life from his birth in the in dire poverty in the segregated South through many twists and turns to the Supreme Court and, and then his his work on the court. But it's only a two hour film and it was we had thirty hours of material between Justice Thomas and Ginny and my co author Mark Paoletta, who's a lawyer and a longtime friend of the Thomases, felt strongly that because the film was such a big hit and we heard from lots of people they wanted to find out more, he felt strongly that we should take 
parts of the interview and make them into a book. And the book is 95% new material, but it covers also Justice Thomas's life. Wow. So he came up from poverty. I understand, I read this somewhere, that there was possibly a nun involved that encouraged him. How did he transition from you know, a life of poverty to the justice of the U.S. Supreme Court? Well, that is a very good question. He, he was born in Pinpoint, Georgia, a Gullah-speaking area on the coast of Georgia. Uh, so English wasn't even his first language. His father left when he was a toddler before he could remember and then his mother moved to Savannah, where that's where he really experienced dire poverty. Not enough to eat, cold in the winter. You know, his mother would drop him off for school, and he just, no one cared. He just wandered the streets alone. And after a few years of that, she brought them, she realized she couldn't take care of Justice Thomas and his brother, and brought the two boys to her father, his grandfather, to raise. And that turned Justice Thomas's life around. The grandfather, the first thing he said is, the damn vacation is over. The two boys are thinking, what vacation we lived in dire poverty? But it was hard work, you know, discipline, as he says, manners and morals. And he turned his Justice Thomas's life around. And he was a Catholic, a very unusual thing for black men in the South in those days. And he believed in education, though he himself had less than a third grade education, was functionally illiterate. He sent Justice Thomas to these parochial schools. Of course, they were all black. It was the segregated South, but run by these Irish nuns. And it's those values of his grandfather and the Irish nuns that Clarence Thomas, they're the anchors in Justice Thomas's life. You know, it's just such a fascinating story. I just have to ask you, you know, what, what do you find or what did you find to be really just the most interesting part of this this journey? I mean, you know, on so many different levels, it's, you know, it's one thing to read his opinions and most notably his concurring opinion in Dawes. Yes. Um, but you know, what did you find was most fascinating and kind of learning about the the man behind the myth? Well, he's had all these twists and turns. You know, he, he, he did so well in parochial school, he, he wanted to be a priest. Not that many people know that. He actually entered the seminary. It was an all-white seminary. He was one of the first to desegregate it. And there he sort of experienced some racism when they were watching TV when Justice, when Martin Luther King Jr. was shot. One of the white seminarians says, I hope that SOB dies. And that clinched it for Thomas. He lost his vocation, came an angry black man, and became a radical. And he embraced black radicalism, you know, Angela Davis, Malcolm X, the more radical, better, as he said. His grandfather kicked him out of the house, had to go wherever he'd get a free education, and that turned out to be Holy Cross in Worcester, where he helped form the Black Student Union and continued his radicalism. And the next part of our film and the book talks about his coming away from that back to the values of his grandfather and the nuns through many twists and turns, reading books like Tom Soul, but having experiencing the failures of liberal social programs like affirmative action and busing, and then finally working for Ronald Reagan in the 80s. And, and once he became a public figure, the attacks on him continued, and they had been vicious and nearly and, and often in racial racially charged language up till today. Uh, uh, so the, the amazing thing about his life is, is that he's able to come back from lots of setbacks without ever feeling that he's a victim with a tremendous resilience and a very positive attitude towards life that I try to imitate when I run across setbacks in my own life. Well, we have more questions for you, but before we, before we run out of time, I want to make sure I get this in. Where do you, I know where to get the book, you know, Amazon or elsewhere, but how about the, the movie, the documentary? How would, you, how would one get that to, to view that? 
The movie is streaming. It is also on Amazon, but it's streaming on about 12 different services. And if your listeners go to our website, manifoldproductions.com, M-A-N-I-F-O-L-D, productions with an S, dot com, we list the 12 or so places it's streaming, Salem and Newsmax and Fox Nation and Voodoo and many others. So it's readily available. They can see the trailer and decide whether they want to buy the film or not. And I think we were very proud. I mean, I've made over 15 films, and they've all been broadcast nationally on PBS. This one, too. We were very anxious to reach a broad audience, not just people who agree with Justice Thomas or, as you say, his concurrence in Dobbs, but people who may not so that they get to understand them. And I, I appeal to your listeners to watch it with somebody who may not agree with Justice Thomas. After all, it did very well on PBS, and a lot of people at least appreciated understanding him that, that, that didn't agree with him before or after the film. You know, I've heard that um, there is a, a justice on the Supreme Court that doesn't agree with him all the time philosophically. It could have been Justice Sotomayor said that he is the nicest man in the world, that he knows the names of everybody that works there in that building, plus the, even their children and so forth. Have you heard that about him? He's a very nice man. He really cares about people. It is very true. You're right. It was Justice Sotomayor. She said it just a few weeks ago. And I, I, everybody knows that about him. And you could see right away, even on our film set, he took an interest in the production assistants, and he remembered from week to week what they told him last, and he was interested in where they were going to school and what they were doing with their lives. That is the kind of person he is. But I actually think it, 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 I would like to praise Justice Sotomayor, whose jurisprudence I don't usually agree with, but... I think it took some courage for her to praise Justice Thomas at this moment when the court is under attack, even though what she said is, uh, of course, true and known to everybody. But choosing to say it, I think, was an act of courage on her part. And even though those of us that don't agree with her should particularly salute her at this moment. You know, what's interesting about what she said, and I remember um, listening with absolute amazement, is she really raised her own popularity mm-hmm. level, uh, you know, leaps and bounds by, by basically praising someone with whom she may not always ideologically mm-hmm. agree, but much in the same way that, you know, you had uh, you know, Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg and, and, and you know, um, Justice Scalia. I mean, they had a, one, a beautiful friendship. And it just goes to show you that as much as we focus on the words of the decision, that these men and women behind the scenes actually do forge strong friendships. It was really heartening, at least for the foreseeable future, that, you know, we we talk a lot about the way they disagree on so many different topics. What flies under the radar, I think, is how much basic agreement on so many other issues actually goes on on some of the less notable cases. I think that's true. We focus on the ones where the decisions are, are split, but there are many, many, many that are unanimous and near unanimous. And I think a key thing in, in this is that, I mean, Justice Thomas, he has this Catholic upbringing that we talked about, and he has on his wall the Catholic litany of humility, and he says it every day mm-hmm. and it every day. And it's that sense of humility that allows us to disagree politely with our people, with, with, with our political opponents. And I think that's a quality. I'm in the Washington, D.C. area. That's a quality we can use a lot in this region. 
Yeah, you know, we're at the end of the show. Um, I just want to thank you so much for coming on. I mean, this has just been so tremendous. I yes, love Michael. your voice. You, you've really got a, a great voice to, you know, not only narrate, explain, but, but also sort of, um, you know, uh, storytell in terms of uh, this absolutely great adventure that you, you've, uh, and you're taking us along with you on documentary and also the book. Anyway, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Thank you, Michael. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. It's a pleasure. And we want to thank our listeners for joining us for yet another episode of Today with Dr. Wendy. Join us next week, same time, same place, for another interesting show. And in the meantime, we want to wish you a wonderful week. God bless you. Thank you for joining us for Today with Dr. Wendy. You can learn more about Dr. Wendy and how to become a guest or sponsor of the show by visiting wendypatrickphd.com. That's wendypatrickphd.com. Tune in every week at this same time as Dr. Wendy will engage and inspire you with an upbeat viewpoint on the highlights of the day. This has been Today with Dr. Wendy on The Answer San Diego. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.